Welcome to the Blogger to Author Podcast, where we help you turn your content into a book so you can share your passion, build authority in your niche, and make a little money too. Now, here's your host, Dr. Beth Brombos. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Blogger to Author Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Beth Brombos. Today on the podcast, I'm incredibly honored to feature an interview with Katie Widrick. Katie has been blogging for over a decade and has turned her passion for storytelling through her blog into a successful full-time business. She, to quote her, turned her hobby into a jobby, where she helps fellow bloggers grow their businesses and connect more deeply with their audiences. She's an expert on all things blogging, social media, and content creation, and she shares some great tips for how you can grow your blog and business with your book, just like she did. More about Katie. Katie Widrick is a personal trainer and group fitness instructor, as well as the owner of Make Media Over LLC, a consulting and managed services company for bloggers, online influencers, and small business owners. She lives in St. Petersburg, Florida with her husband and two daughters, and when she's not training for triathlons, she's probably binge-watching The West Wing or Scandal. Find her at makemediaover.com or on social media at kwidrick. If you're looking to grow your blog into a part-time or full-time business, I know you're going to absolutely love this interview with Katie, so listen up. Thank you, Katie, for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to be interviewed on the Blogger to Author podcast. I'm so thankful and so uh, thrilled at the opportunity. So thank you. You know, I, yes, busy is one of those four letter words, but it is never stops being exciting to have these chances to talk about, you know, the things that I love with people that I really enjoy talking to. So it's the, the thanks honestly should be directed right back to you. Well, let's dive into the interview. I would like to start by hearing more about your background, when and how you got into blogging, and how you turned that into a business. Sure. So I think like anybody who comes to blogging, at least who started in 2007 in that time period, which is when I started my blog, there really was no concept of quote unquote becoming a blogger. In 2017, the landscape has changed so much. I think a lot of people do see it as a means to an end and think that they can wake up and be a professional blogger and make six figures and all of that. And certainly there's an amazing opportunity for that. I frankly, a lot of times wish I had started in 2017. I have learned a lot of lessons over the last 10 years that sure would have you know, been helpful to, if I could have just jumped off on the right foot. Um, but my, I think like many bloggers, um, again, who have been doing this for as long as I have, my journey really was kind of winding. I went to school studying broadcast journalism and thought for sure I was going to work in television. Uh, my original plan was that I was going to be on air. I was going to be Hannah Storm talking about sports. I quickly learned in going through my my classwork that you know, the on-air part really did not appeal to me. It's not that I don't have an ego or that I think anchors all, you know, have that me, me, me complex, but I frankly would stress out about the visual part of it. 
and really just loved telling stories. And more to the point, I loved teaching people something that they didn't know. So sometimes in a 30 second you know, copy for television, it was just telling them how to get around a traffic jam or letting them know about an important vote that was coming up in their community. So after I graduated with my degree in broadcast journalism, I shifted toward a producer track. And in the television world, that means that you are the behind the scenes captain, basically. Uh, you are in charge of writing 90% of the, the show. You are in charge of stacking it, meaning that you decide what order things go in, who's saying what, you know, it, I loved that job. Um, and I think I discovered that I was really good at it. Um, the problem with working in television, at least the way that it manifested for me, was that it's incredibly high stress. I worked overnight shifts. I didn't sleep. I was stressed. I burned out very, very quickly. And I think that's a common thing that, that I have heard in talking with some of my colleagues and people who have been through the industry. So the reason that I share that story is that I ended, you know, after about five or six years in the television business, still had a passion for teaching, still had a passion for writing and storytelling, but just could not handle doing it in a newsroom anymore. And I had an opportunity to leave the newsroom and start working with some of my television colleagues and, you know, still was able to tell stories, still was able to move into digital media. But I really felt like this was the first time in my life when I was going to get to tell my story. I wasn't just going to be talking about news and politics and traffic and reporting other people's stories, but I wanted to talk about the things that were meaningful in my life. And when I started in 2007, that was figuring out how I could get healthy after five years of existing on jug wine and peanut butter sandwiches on an overnight shift and talking about how to, you know, kind of navigate the life after TV. I was planning a wedding, or I guess at that point I had recently gotten married. You know, these were all of the things that were kind of on my heart and on my mind. And so I launched a personal life casting blog like everybody did in 2007. I was on the free blogger template. It was called Silly Tater Tot. And um, I thought that's all it would be. And then over the last 10 years, I've been incredibly fortunate to continue to work in digital media, learning a lot of tips and tricks on the professional side of what I do. And in the course of doing that, I have really migrated what was once a life casting blog on a free platform done very unprofessionally to really creating my own business where I help coach and consult and create solutions for people who are like me, have a story that they want to tell and just need a way to do it. So that was a very long answer to a question that probably deserved a 30 second answer. Um, but I just want your listeners to know that I think when people see or they hear a bio like you just read of, of mine, you know, they think, oh, that person just woke up and knew what they were doing. That's not at all the case for me. 10 years has been developing and learning and breaking things and playing in my sandbox. And my biggest takeaway, the thing that I have really kind of felt called to do over those years is take everything that I've learned and pass it on in a way that helps other people tell their stories. And I absolutely love that message. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And again, just want to reiterate to those of you who feel like you're struggling, who feel like you're not where you want to be, that it's not necessarily a straight shot, one-way street, that it's okay to take some twists and turns to get to where you need to be and to find what you're really passionate about doing. I think 
think that is such a crucial part of the experience. And one of the things that I say to my clients, probably ad nauseum, uh, if they're listening, they're probably rolling their eyes, but that it is, you know, done is better than perfect. I think so many of us, especially now, again, where I say, I wish I had started, you know, I, I was a brand new blogger in 2017 when it all seems easier and more clear cut. In many ways, I feel fortunate that I didn't because I think part of the social landscape right now, whether it's blogging or influencing or writing your your book or whatever it is, everything I think feels very pressure packed. You have to have the perfect Pinterest template. You have to have the beautifully crafted Instagram photo. You have to have this blog thing figured out and know all of the tech ins and outs. And, um, and I think that's because again, when I was starting, nobody was doing it. We were all figuring it out. In 2017, it, there's definitely a steeper learning curve or, or maybe just a higher uh, barrier to entry. Having said all of that, I think there is a lot of um, importance in going through the process, especially if you can find a way to take what you're learning and not apologize for it, but actually make it part of part of your journey. Um, for example, one many of the things that I now do for clients are things that I figured out because I did them poorly to begin with. The only reason I know how to fix a crashed or broken website is because I have crashed and broken my own website over and over and over. And I had to learn how to fix it. And then, you know, so it wasn't, I, I didn't go to school for coding. I didn't go to school for web design. I, I, all of that has come as part of my process. And I, I guess one of the things that I have figured out as a business owner, and again, this is just for me, this is part of my journey, is that I don't apologize for not being an expert. I'm using that to my client's advantage. So they know, I say all the time, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but let me go find it for you. And then I'm not going to just say, here's how to do it, here's a link. I'm probably going to say, here's how to do it, here's a link, and now I will go do it for you. And I love that. And I know your clients really appreciate that. I know that I, I believe I'm correct in this, um, that a lot of your business has been word of mouth because really we're in some of the same circles. And whenever anybody has a problem, your name is the first to come up to help people with issues. And so I think that your clients really appreciate that. And that's why people do recommend you so often is because of the way that you structure things, the way you work with clients and the way that you give information and you help people. Well, I appreciate that because at the end of the day, there's really no higher compliment, as you know, um, than, you know, a word of mouth referral. Um, but, and you're absolutely right. When I started my business, I, you know, I don't want to say that I didn't have a grand plan. I, I always knew that I needed and wanted this to be successful. Um, you know, I am probably to a fault, a bit of a type A, um, a, a, not a perfectionist, but pretty darn close. And so, you know, I, I will not say that when I officially launched my business that I was still kind of thinking of it as a side hustle. I really was all in in making it work. But I did stress out about how to market. You know, how am I going to get people to come to me? And I, I know that word of mouth and referrals are not always possible and that when you're getting started, obviously that client base, that loyal client base can be really difficult to find and develop. But I also think that what has helped me in addition to having wonderful clients who are always passing my name on, I mean, again, that never, I never stop getting butterflies when I, my, I'm tagged in a post. Um, but I think 
again, this is just at the core, frankly, of, of who I am. And I, I don't mean to break my arm patting myself on the back, but I just don't feel proprietary about information. And um, another quote, and this is something I should probably just get tattooed on my face because I say it so much, but it's that a rising tide lifts all ships. And you know, if somebody is panicked and their website is crashed or somebody needs a recommendation on a plugin or needs a tip on how to figure out what color to put on their ebook cover or any of those things, I just really don't ever feel like that's information that I should gate or shield. Um, I will always try to jump in and answer it or help or give people the nudge they need. And that way in six months, or two years from now when they're ready for a website redesign or they want to get on the phone and talk about social media strategy or whatever else happens, they're going to know that I give value for the sake of giving value and try. I try really hard not to tie to put too many strings on there. Um, you know, again, one of the one of the most fun things I do during the week is write my weekly newsletter. And it is a very successful sales funnel for me, but that's not what it's intended to be. And I don't think about it that way. Every week I write out all of the social media headlines and news that I think is interesting for my audience, things that caught my eye. I try to not just put the link in, but put you know a sentence or two about why I think it's a valuable read or my take on it or why I disagree with it. You know, I try to wrap all of that in because again, these are the things that really get me excited about social media marketing. And inevitably, when I send that out, that becomes one of the biggest lead generators for me. And so just by talking about and sharing things for free, which I love doing anyway, it just fosters, I think, a sense of, oh, okay, Katie understands what she's talking about. She's always trying to learn and grow. She's giving me some tips. And so now she's the one I want to turn to. Um, I do some marketing, but as I, you probably know, because we talk about this sometimes just between us, you know, I, I really have not had to do a massive sales push to try to get clients in the door. And I think a lot of that does come from just this idea of giving value for the sake of giving value and the universe will return that. Yeah. And just to add on that, I think Katie seriously has one of the best newsletters I've ever seen. And so if you're listening to this, get on her list, not only because it's valuable, but because you could get some ideas for how to structure your newsletter based on what Katie is doing. Like I am on, I don't even know how many people's mailing lists and Katie's is structured such that I always get something out of it. And so I would seriously encourage you to go ahead and sign up for that because I think you're going to get a lot out of it just as an example. And then you're going to learn a lot too. I really appreciate that. I mean, again, I would be writing this newsletter if I had one subscriber and it never led to a sale. So it's just one of those great joys. There are so many things in business that are hard and that you don't want to do, but you have to do it. You know, I suck up a lot of those just like every other business owner does. This is one of those moments during the week where I just love doing it and it's, I don't do it strategically. Um, you know, with I don't do it strategically with an asterisk. I, now that I see how well it can funnel people in and how well it can be kind of a lead and interest generator, there's no question that I have tried to use that to my advantage. But uh, the day that I start thinking of the newsletter just as a sales tool is probably the day that I'll retire it. Love that thought. 
So Katie, what is your biggest advice for bloggers who are looking to turn their blog into a business? It's such a great question. And obviously we could talk about a roadmap forever and ever and ever, but I think the biggest mental shift, and this really does lead into the rest of it, you know, what you look like visually, what your handles are, what you're promoting, all of that is that you you need to start how you you intend to, to end that. So I, when I decided to take what Make Media Over in the early days was really just a side hustle. You know, it was a function of people emailing me and asking for help with their website or people asking if they could, you know, quote unquote, pick my brain. And that coupled with my full time job. And then when I became a, a mom of two little ones, you know, it became increasingly difficult to be able to justify that. So the day that I had that mental shift of saying, this is a business and I'm going to treat it like a business, it's still going to be me. It's still going to be personable. I don't want to be another guru or a ninja. I don't want to do the jargon thing. I'm still going to be at the core, a helpful person. Um, But really taking some steps to consider myself a business was a huge change. So for me, that meant incorporating as an LLC, that meant structurally starting to actually separate business from personal. So setting up business checking accounts, setting up a business email account, setting up all sorts of you know systems that were directly for Make Media Over LLC and separate from what I had done in my personal life. So I know that that whole process can certainly feel overwhelming for bloggers and especially those who think they want to become more professional and turn it into a business but don't have a lot of resources, time, money to invest. I hear all of that. So if there's one takeaway that your listeners have, I would say sitting down and figuring out what you can do to separate the business from the rest of it, even just visually and and kind of just as something that, uh, you know, potential clients will see, I think that's, that's really important. And again, we're not going to dive into all the technical stuff, but I hope that your listeners will come to my website or reach out to me. I, I, I love talking about this stuff. So whether it's setting up a, uh, you know, an email address with the domain or trying to figure out how to set up an invoicing system to start working with clients, I think all of that stuff is really easier than it, it often seems when someone is starting a business. And I will talk about that stuff all day. So if there are questions about processes or tips or, or tools to use, I would love to discuss that with your audience. But so I guess that the answer to your question is when you decide that this is going to be more than just a hobby, it's going to be a jobby. I think you need to really start to structure it that way in terms of the actual technical steps of your business. And thank you so much for that advice. And for those of you who are wanting to learn more about that whole process, katiewoodrick.com, makemediaover.com, and I will include links to everything in the show notes as well. Thanks, Beth. And and I would say, you know, that's the nerdy technical stuff. The, philosophically, the thing that, um, again, I, I probably discovered late into it, and I wish I had known on day one, is that when you are thinking about turning your blog into a business, I, I think many of us probably overthink it. Um, we try to figure out services and packages and this, that, and the other. Honestly, you know what your audience is always asking you. That The entire Make Media Over concept for me came out of answering the same questions, you know, the same five questions I would get probably 
you know, every week. And I started using canned responses in Gmail because that was how common these questions were. Those were the first services that I launched with my with my business. And so again, for me, people are constantly asking about SEO, what plugins to use, how do I market on social media? Uh, what are your tips for A, B, C, and D? Those are the things that I immediately launched as services. And then as my client base grew and as I really got to know some of the more niche and narrow questions and concerns and pain points that people had, I just built on and I refined and I shifted. And so my consulting call two years ago is very different from the consulting call that I offer today in structure, in content, in how it, it works. So don't be afraid to you know, really just start with the, the low hanging fruit to use a, a jargony phrase that uh, is, is overused. Start with the low hanging fruit. If people are constantly asking you about something, how to do something, can you do this for me? Those are the things that you know that there's a tested market for. And so being able to answer those people and say, yes, absolutely, I can take those professional photos for you. Here are the details. Or absolutely, I can design that cover photo for your ebook. Or yes, I, I would love to ghostwrite. Here are the details. Start there. And then once you have that base of clientele and you've really kind of tested it out and frankly gotten better at delivering, then you can add on and, and grow um, and really kind of frame out your portfolio. And thank you for sharing those tips. I know that that's going to be very valuable for a lot of people listening. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast is the fact that you have an ebook, aside from all of the amazing information you have for bloggers and online business owners. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your ebook, what made you decide to write it, and how you went through the process of writing it. Well, it's so interesting to have you ask these questions back to back because my Make Your Old Content New Again ebook is completely a function of being asked the same question over and over and over and going on consulting call after consulting call and talking about this process of taking existing content, refreshing it, reworking it, optimizing it, and then getting more out of it. You know, as I found myself, again, saying the exact same thing over and over and not really having it all written out with steps, I realized that I was doing myself and my clients a disservice. So my ebook really started out with me writing down all of the things that I normally do, either whether I'm doing it on behalf of a client, which is something I do a lot of in my work, a client will hire me to go back through their archive and optimize, edit, clean up X number of posts so that they can reshare them on social media and even republish them to their uh, to their newsletters or to their onto their homepage. You know, as I was doing that, I just documented all of the steps that I do, and then I put that into an early version of my ebook, really thinking that it would just be something that I could give my clients to sort of back up my process and to show them how they could do it. Once I did that, I realized that it was an opportunity for me to sell it to people who really didn't need me to manage the service for them, who preferred doing it themselves, or maybe who didn't have a big enough budget to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, which, I, I mean, I respect that so much. I remember this was a hobby for me first, too. Um, I needed to be able to give them some of my tips and tricks 
at a lower cost. And so I took the first version of the ebook, which was really just a documentation of my process. I figured out as I was doing it that I really followed the same six steps every time I did this for a client or for my own work. And I released that. It was a pretty raw, pretty rough ebook. I designed it myself. It was not fancy, um, but it did really well. And I think again, to, to my earlier point, I didn't try too hard to create a service or to figure it out. I just took the thing that people were already asking me about and made that into a product. And that has also been refined. I have added onto it. I've added interactive worksheets. I have created an email sequence. All of these things have kind of supplemented it and that allowed me to re-release it, to remarket it, um, to continue to you know bring it to a new audience. And, um, and so that again was just a, a labor of love. And again, I am very thankful that it has done well for me. Um, it's a nice passive revenue generator. Um, don't get me wrong, that is really important. There's only so many one-on-one -on -one clients I can take and only so many hours that I can do managed services. So having this additional part of my business is really important, but I also think that it is kind of a nice way to introduce me and my process to people who, after they use the tips in my ebook, my goal is always that they make enough money to then hire me. And I love that idea. Um, I am a huge proponent of obviously having a book and then using that book as a low price lead in to future courses, services, whatever it is you want to offer as a business owner. And that's exactly what you've done. And I think it's a smart business model to have because again, not everybody has the money to invest in a high price course or invest in one-on-one -on -one services, that sort of thing. And so a book can be a great lead-in to those for people who don't have enough money to do that yet, but who will in the future. And I'm a, a book and an ebook addict. I mean, I have a folder on my desktop and uh, it's just packed with, with ebooks. I, I love them so much. And I think, you know, that to me is just a sign too. And again, this is something I have, I've learned and continue to learn in my business is that sometimes the same information just needs to be packaged differently for different audiences. Uh, you know, my husband, for example, he's just, he, he won't do it. He won't read an ebook. Um, he would much rather listen to an audio podcast or listen to an audio description. If I were to record my ebook as an audio, you know, he would listen to it. He will never read the ebook. I'm the opposite. You know, I also love online courses. I, um, you know, I think you just have to sort of understand that you, it is totally okay to take the same information and repackage it in different formats. And that that's going to appeal to different people who really learn and, and, and you know, work with um, content like that in different ways. So if an ebook can, it, I don't think it has, it, obviously it can't be the exact same across platforms, but when I look at a marketing funnel or marketing strategy, and I, I think you feel the same way, you know, I think there is an art to taking the same concept and just kind of talking about it across different platforms in different ways. 
ideally you bring people to one place where they can get it. In this case, maybe it's your book. And again, I agree with you. It is such a great way to introduce your voice to your audience, give them some great information, and then hopefully, you know, encourage them to take the next next steps with you on something bigger. Um, but I don't have a problem taking the same content and just kind of repackaging it and repurposing it because different people will respond to it in different ways. 100%. And let's be honest, we all have limited number of hours in the day and we're all really busy and that repurposing is smart. It's a great way to reuse what you've already done and make it into something that works for you. And that's why a big part of my message is encouraging bloggers and other content creators to repurpose their content into a book. And again, this is what Katie's saying here, that don't be afraid to repurpose because each time you're going to reach a new audience, you're going to reach them in a different way. And that's going to help you, number one, help more people, but number two, also reach a wider audience and get your message in front of more people. Absolutely. And, you know, you asked me earlier about advice for bloggers looking to turn their blog into a business. And and I just, I think that's such a great question. What I would say is that one thing I keep in mind, whether it's for a $4.99 ebook up through a $5,000 website strategy and consulting package, I always keep in my mind as a business owner, what can I give them that will return their investment plus a dollar? So if they buy my $4.99 ebook, how am I going to ensure that the tips and information that I share in there empower them to make $5.99 back? If I give them a $5,000 marketing strategy and we work together over six months to execute it, how can I ensure that in that time period, they're going to make $5,001 back? Now that's sometimes easier said than done and not every client is going to measure success in ad or excuse me, in dollars or in revenue. And that's also not always the straightest line. There are a number of clients for whom I create social media strategies and it's all about audience growth and engagement. In the big picture, the long tail, there's always gotta be a revenue goal attached to it. So having more people engaging with you on Facebook has to lead to more sales of your ebook or more people walking in your brick and mortar. You know, Without question, that's important. Um, so there's, it's always a little bit of a delicate dance. But as a business owner, when you ask me about the biggest advice for bloggers looking to turn their blog into a business, if your listeners can say, I'm creating this and I'm pricing it this way because I feel confident that with execution of this, they will make their money back and more. That's great. And when we go back to talking about word of mouth, I think that's the only way that you get those referrals is that your clients feel as if they got more than they you know bargained for in working with you. They got their return in revenue or in understanding how to do something more efficiently. And that's a big piece too. And if I can teach somebody how to set up a a workflow where a lead comes in and then their contract is sent out and then the invoice is sent out and, you know, and then all of that, instead of taking two hours, takes two minutes. To me, that is a great return on the investment because it means that they've just gotten two hours back to do work that is leading to revenue. So If your listeners can figure out what can I give people that is an actual solution to a real pain point and then I price it in a way that 
allows the person who's buying it to get their money back very quickly, then I think there's no question they will be a huge success. I completely agree. So getting back to your original expertise, where you started, um, you mentioned in the beginning of our interview that you started in television and communication. And I know you believe that communication with your audience is incredibly important, and I agree with that 100%. So why do bloggers need to make sure their websites are working with their readers? And if the website isn't doing that, how do they fix it? It's such a great question. I think in 2017, 2018, you know, the trend is certainly going to be getting away from massive websites where it's 20 pages deep and it really will continue to be, you know, kind of more minimalist. We are all just overwhelmed by content and by messages. And I think websites, including some of mine and some of the clients that I work with, they really kind of suffer from bloat. So I think the number one question that people need to ask themselves about their website is, am I making it clear to a reader or to a visitor what I want them to do? And when I step back and I work with a client and we do a website redesign or just a strategic talk, that's what I, that's the first thing I'll do. I'll say, what do you want a visitor to do? And let's say the answer is I want them to buy my ebook. I want them to hire me as a consultant and I want them to read my blog. Then those are really the only three things that I think should be prominent on the website or the homepage. You can have a lot of other stuff, but I really do think it should sort of be something that you help people navigate to once you have figured out that they need that. I know that's a complicated statement and we could talk about web design and theory all day, but that's the, what is, what are the calls to action? What do I want people to do? And if you can eliminate anything that doesn't lead to those three goals or at least hide them um, or minimize them, I think, I think your listeners will find that it's certainly less overwhelming. They don't feel like they have to have every bell and whistle. They could just have a single page website with two or three calls to action. And I think that would be a fantastic uh, success. I certainly have a lot of clients that literally have three pages on their website and they're crushing it because the visitor knows that's that's all they're supposed to do. Do I choose door A, B, or C? And then they walk through it. Um, beyond that, one of the things that I have discovered in 10 years of being a blogger and in working with other bloggers is that sometimes, maybe not sometimes, all the time, we are too close to our own projects to really kind of see some of the flaws or see some of the things that could be improved. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I will go to a client's website, and this is including clients who have 500,000 page views a month, who are making a very good full-time income just in ad revenue. You know, these are people who are succeeding in capitals and air quotes but I will go to share a post of theirs on, on Facebook and realize that their sharing button doesn't work. Or I will go to subscribe to their newsletter in the form that's on their sidebar or in a pop-up and realize that that doesn't work. And so understanding that, simplifying and keeping the calls to action you know, as, as to the point as possible is number one, but then those calls to action have to work. Because you can say all day, I want more people on my newsletter list or I want people to buy my course. And if the process of doing that is not working, you are going to lose a lot of those conversions. So what I do and what I always try to encourage clients to do on their own is to either find somebody that can kind of be their their audit buddy, um, you know, bang on each other's websites. We 
as bloggers, don't leave comments on our own website the way that a normal person would. So ask a friend, hey, could you come in and, and leave a comment and just spend five minutes on my website and let me know if there's anything that's just not working. You can reciprocate. And I think that also helps you, uh, you know, bring some of that back to your own site. When you go to someone else's site and you're really either working with them or you just keep a more mindful eye on what they're doing that you like or that you that they're doing that you don't like, you can bring that back to your own website. Was that an overly complicated answer? I, I know that your listeners are probably like, yeah, Katie, I get it. But like, what's the takeaway? No, no. And I think that you bring up a really good point that sometimes you need a little bit of extra help to get outside of where your headspace is. And you have a freebie that helps people go through this audit. I do. I have a freebie that helps people, I hope, go through. And it is literally the step-by-step checklist that I use when I'm auditing for clients. And by the way, that's a pretty big ticket item that I you know, sell on my website. That This goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like At the end of the day, yes, I am a business and this is something that helps me pay the mortgage and put food on the table. But at my core, I just want to make blogging more fun and easier for people. So I took the exact checklist. It's an interactive checklist of things that I do when I'm auditing client websites. It addresses everything from search engine optimization to, uh, you know, do your sharing bookmarks work to um, are you set up for success in your sidebar? And so if if your listeners go to makemediaover.com slash website audit, there's a free download. That checklist allows you to just mark things off as you do them. That's also a worksheet that you could share with a buddy or you could team up with somebody and agree that you're going to swap these tasks. And then I also will email you a couple of very, very short tips on how to improve it. So for example, if you are going through the checklist and you realize that your website doesn't have a home title or meta description, and those terms will make sense when you get the checklist, if you discover that your site doesn't have that, then I send you a little email with a tip on how to adjust that, specifically where in your website to do it, and then some tips on how to write a really good meta description. So I hope that that is helpful for your listeners. Again, it's at makemediaover.com slash website audit. It's totally free. And it's the step-by-step guide that our clients and, you know, free is better than, you know, paying me to do it. (laughs) Absolutely. And I will be linking to that in the show notes if you are unable to go there and get it right now. So we mentioned that you uh, you you just gave the URL to go get that freebie. Where else can listeners find you if they want to learn more about you? I'm very active on social media, um, and I'm at Kay Widrick on all of the social platforms. Instagram is a place that I hope people do come find me because I try to put some tips up every day in Instagram stories and in the feed, um, and you also get to see some of the craziness of being a business owner. You know, I, I try to keep it real and raw. I uh, am certainly professional for my clients, and I this is my business, but I'm also a working mom of two. I, um, you know, try to, I'm, I'm struggling with the same things that every working person is. And so I try to share some of the funny, you know, moments of my kids banging on my keyboard and accidentally sending an email, sending an email to a client or what happens when I break my own website and have to fix it. So if you follow me on Instagram at 
at kwidrick, then you'll see some of that. Um, and again, thank you for mentioning. I, I do have a personal blog at katiewidrick.com. That is what was sillytatertot.blogspot.com 10 years ago. So it's still one of my uh, one of my kind of true loves. Um, I blog more on the business side at makemediaover.com. Com, which is where I send out my weekly newsletter and talk a little bit more about strategy and specific tips. But katiewidrick.com really is what led me to creating my business. So for your listeners, I hope that can kind of serve as an example too, you know, where I would, I would share blog posts and tips. And I did that for years without really thinking of it becoming a business. And so you will see if you go to the two websites, a lot of what I talked about five years ago, four years ago on the blog is now a service that I offer. And it just naturally kind of progressed. So hopefully your listeners can kind of see how I was able to take what I was already doing on one site and flip that into a business model. Absolutely. And again, I will include links to everything in the show notes as well, if that's easier for you listeners to get to. So I want to end by asking if there are any final tips or advice that you want to share with our listeners to help them be a success either as a blogger or as an author. Such a good question. I think, um, you know, the, the two frankly go hand in hand. And I told you at the beginning that my true love is storytelling. Um, I just, I love narrative. I love I love stories that have a personal touch, but still have a takeaway and have some news you can use. Um, and so I think if your your listeners can understand that it is okay to blend the personal and the professional, nobody wants a robot. You know, when I talk about my top five plugins, I don't want to I don't want it to just be one more technical list. I want people to still understand that it's my voice and why I picked these. And so it's okay to be personal and personable in your professional stuff. In fact, I think that's really smart, but there is a definitely a balance. And if I think when people tip the, you know, too far toward the personal side, they forget that the entire goal of doing this is to give the audience a solution to a problem and be the only one or one of the only people that can provide that solution. So, um, still be you still write it in your voice, still have some fun and light narrative moments. But at the end, when you are looking at what you have written, whether it's for your ebook or something else, if you can't find the takeaway, the moment that, that, you know, your, your readers are going to um, bring back and start to do action on, then I think you need to adjust that. And that is a Great message to end on. Thank you so much, Katie, for sharing your expertise so freely. I know that the people who are listening to this podcast are going to be able to take that home and really take some steps to bring their business to the next stage, whatever that looks like. Well, thank you again for the opportunity. And for any listeners who are working on a book, I wasn't kidding when I said I am just an ebook and a book addict. So tag me, let me know what your products are. I would absolutely love to check them out, especially if I know that you found me through this show. I like that that has so much meaning to me and I feel like we're all part of a tribe. So definitely let me know what you're working on if you need feedback, if you just want a, you know, an attaboy, I'm I'm your girl. Love it. And Thanks for your time, Katie. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you.
Again, many thanks to Katie for sharing your knowledge so freely. I know of very few people who are so genuinely helpful like Katie is, which is why I know you're going to want to connect with her on social media. Remember, you can find links to her websites and her social media platforms in the show notes. Just head to bloggertoauthor.com slash 25. I'm extremely excited to announce my brand new upcoming five-day challenge, Five Days to Set Yourself Apart in Your Niche. In this challenge, you'll learn how to set your blog, your business, and yourself apart with a book, and you'll get hands-on help creating a detailed plan for your book. I'll help you figure out a topic for a book your readers will actually want to buy, and I'll help you plan it out too. You'll be surprised by how much you've already written and how close you are to becoming an author. The challenge begins Monday, September 11th. Register for this free five-day challenge at bloggertoauthor.com slash challenge. Until next time, happy writing. Thanks for joining us for the Blogger to Author podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share the podcast with your friends and be sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about Blogger to Author and the podcast at bloggertoauthor.com. Till next time, happy writing.